to the mom who keeps everything together all the time, the daughter who wants to give her parents more than they could fix their minds to imagine, the wife who always puts her husband and family first, the friend who has all the answers, and the woman who knows there is so much more out there for her than this. She may not even know what this is, but she knows there is more. You are heard, you are appreciated, and you deserve more. With the weight of the world's expectations and the guilt that we as women carry, sometimes it feels as if you are last on the list. I promise you can do it all and have it all, but you can't do it alone. You just need support. Welcome to the house. I'm inviting you into a safe place to help our universal sisterhood expand. We focus on creating opportunities for women everywhere to share their achievements, face their fears, have genuine conversations about their true feelings, and discuss the real-life obstacles they face daily without bias. Now let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the House Podcast. I'm your host, Hannah Lynn Wallace, and I am here with the wonderful and fabulous Destiny Malibu from Edit Desk. How are you? I am good. How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. I'm so happy to have you here. So I want to just jump in. I've been following you for quite some time. I know that we do have some mutual friends. You also live in the Tampa Bay area, which is where I live. So we're probably fairly close to one another. Um, And I've kind of just been watching some of the things that you're doing on social media. And I'm so intrigued because for me, although I do consider myself a creative to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. I'm also very indecisive and I'm a perfectionist. So my problem is I will spend so much time focused on one thing that it doesn't really suit me in a positive way because I could be investing my time in so many other things. So mm-hmm. I'm really intrigued by some of the things that you do because you are an Instagram strategist and content writer. And I know kind of the goal of your platform is to enhance the online presence specifically for women, but I'm sure you help men as well. So tell me a little bit about Edit Desk and what you do. All right. So I just want to say thank you for having me, Hannah. So for Edit Desk... I actually started my business this year, 2020, back in July. So for the past few years, I have done editing, writing, strategy for small business owners for the past few years. I've just never monetized my skill set. And so this past year, with the pandemic and everything going on, and I became a mom, and I tried to return to work, and they just kind of gave me the runaround. And so I said, well, let me start my own business. And so I thought about Good all my skill you. sets. Thank you. So I thought about my skill set, all the things that I've been doing over time, but haven't monetized. And I said, well, hey, you know, I've been helping people write content for their websites, their blogs, their social media. You know, I've also been doing social media strategy. However, I really enjoy Instagram and that's the social media platform that I'm drawn to the most. So which is why I kind of solidified my brand as being an Instagram strategist. And then I do offer other services within that. But I specifically chose women as well because I'm a woman and just getting my start back in July, I saw 
just the need for women to be able to take hold of the skill sets that they have, pursue their passions and monetize that. Women are underpaid more than not than men in corporate America. You see it all the time. You know, it doesn't matter what you do. More than likely, there is a man who has the same position as you, but will be paid more than you simply because he's a man. And so I wanted to be a part of that empowerment to empower women to be in charge of their own financial freedom and power to make the money that they see as their worth. They value themselves as. Well, that is amazing. And I love that so much because as you know, that is where my passion lies. It's just, you know, empowering women, giving them the blueprint, allowing them to utilize the resources around them, the resources that we create individually. I think it's so important to build and grow these relationships with other women because there are things that you are great at that I am not so great at. So if we don't have a dialogue and we don't know that each other exists and we don't know the skill set of one another, then we can't ask the questions. We can't utilize the resource. And that's why for me, I wanted to even just have this platform so that we can share our information. We can share our resources and we can help, you know, the next woman, because that's something that's so important. I think, especially for women, as much as a lot of us hate to admit it, we are emotional creatures and that's just fact. And so for a lot of us women, I think we benefit so much off of just you know, genuine connections and real relationships with other women. So when you can create this dialogue and have this dialogue with other powerful women, you know, there's no cap on the amount of things that we can do together as a unit. So I am just so blown away by you. I think that's so awesome that, you know, you found yourself in the midst of the pandemic and you're like, what now? And here you are, you have this successful business, you're helping other entrepreneurs and other women all over social media. And I just, I'm really intrigued by that. And I want to commend you for that. Now, Like I said, I also kind of stalked your Instagram a little bit. So I want you to kind of tell me about your journey. I know that you have a master's in mass communications and then Mm -hmm. global strategic communications. What does that even mean? So with global strategic communications, it all ties back into communications as a whole. But when I went through my program, global was on a global aspect. So working for transcontinental corporations, so something like Coca-Cola. And think about Coca-Cola, they're on every continent, you know? And so when you look at businesses on a global scale, on in a global economy, my program focused on us working inside of other countries and being aware of the differences culturally. So we did a lot of studies on different ethnicities and cultures around the world. Not only that, how products are rolled out into those countries. So the same way that they would advertise, say, a Nike shoe here in America, they're not going to advertise the same way in China. And so we learned a lot about the differences for strategizing, like I said, on a global scale, but taking one product and creating, I guess you would say, a different advertising or marketing or strategy for the different markets around the globe. Was that fascinating to be a part of that and see how different things are in other places than they are from like where we are in our own little bubble? Absolutely. I'm just thinking of... One of the companies that we studied was Sephora. 
So just thinking about how Sephora caters to so many other women across the globe. So here in America, we look at Sephora as, you know, just makeup. You know, everyone wears makeup. We're always able to show our face. But in the Middle East, that is one of their biggest markets because the women there are predominantly Muslim. And so many times they can't show anything else but their face. So their face is everything to them. They find themselves making themselves up more often. So just looking at a lot of things from a cultural perspective and seeing how things are a little bit of more importance to other people versus us here in America. So it really was an eye-opener as well. And I think that probably can have such a positive impact on your business because you can take some of the things that were so you know, just mind blowing that you were able Mm -hmm. to take from these large corporations and help to apply them to these women and to these entrepreneurs and these small businesses that you're helping through your own program. Now you also, you mentioned something called an Instagram audit a lot. I see that Mm -hmm. pretty regularly. What does that mean? So Instagram audit would be for someone who is a business owner, entrepreneur, and you have a social media following or you just started and you're looking to see how you can improve on the Instagram platform. So for instance, I just had a client and the industry that she's in is beauty. So you have to look at every industry from a different standpoint. So someone who's in gardening wouldn't be looking at, I wouldn't be looking at their Instagram the same way I would someone in the beauty industry, right? And I'm going in and I'm looking at, does their profile fit that of someone who's a beauty influencer? Somebody who's already scaled their Instagram to monetize and be profitable to four, five, and six figures. So that's kind of what I'm doing. So I'm looking at their profile name. I'm looking at their bio, looking at their hashtag use. I'm looking at their engagement with their community as well as their following, engaging with them. I'm also looking at how they're engaging with the greater Instagram community, not just their own followers or the people that they follow. Like, how are they going out engaging those? people? And are they properly posting the correct content to align with their brand? And is their brand messaging and tone aligning with who they say that they are? And lastly, what problem are they solving for their consumer? Because a lot of people don't like to think of it this way, but if you have a business, you're solving a problem for someone. Even if you do eyebrows, you know what I mean? You're solving the problem with someone learning how to or needing the service of getting their eyebrows done, you know? So you have to look at it. What problem am I solving? Why should they choose me over the competitor? So I'm helping them go through and strategize in that sense. Wow. Okay. So what sort of tips could you offer to the consumer, the everyday listener, Mm -hmm. the women that are listening to this podcast? What type of tips could you offer them for positioning yourself in a way on social media to start really getting engagement on the platform? So first, I want to say, make sure your Instagram handle aligns with your business name. So if you are in, for instance, fashion, you know, you're in the fashion industry and your Instagram name is the number one gardener, that doesn't align. So you just want to make sure that your Instagram profile name is either your business name or your name, whichever you want to be 
the brand name of your business. So I always say your business name. You also want to make sure that your bio, so the little thing, when I, first thing I come to when I get to your Instagram page, what does it say? Like, I need to know what service do you provide? Not just I sell hair if you sell hair. No, tell me what is different about your hair, you know, not just I sell hair. You know, I sell the best hair there is possible. So I think about mine, the first thing, I'm an Instagram strategist and content writer. So I tell people that I enhance their brand. I enhance their online presence through engaging content, you know, and so I want to know what you do and how you do it. So that can be done in one sentence. You also want to have a link some way. So if you can't afford to have a website, go ahead and use a link tree or use a Google Doc or anything that can get people to contact you or they can see more about your services or who you are. They also want to have a brand. You also want to have brand colors. So what are your brand colors? What is your brand font? You don't want to be all over the place with the things that you post because it also may look a little messy. You know, I go to some pages and I see they have really good content or things that they're posting, but it kind of looks all over the place. So if someone's coming to you and you want to seem like an authority in your industry, make sure your content is aligning. And secondly, well, not secondly, but lastly, you want to make sure that your brand voice aligns. So brand voice is pretty much us communicating right now, but you're communicating So a lot of the times it's communicating through written language. So Instagram, you don't have to, you're not writing a research paper. So it doesn't have to be, you know, every period here, every comma there, but you want to make sure your grammar is correct, but you also want to be authentic to yourself. So that's kind of the tips that I have for, you know, anybody who's going back and looking at their Instagram and saying, hey, what small improvements can I make right now without actually going through and finding out with a brand audit, how I can improve a little bit more. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'm going to take all of that into consideration when I ask you this next question. Mm -hmm. So I have heard from other, I guess, brand strategists or other people who offer like master classes and people who are Mm -hmm. on different social media platforms that your bio should be very short and sweet because a Mm -hmm. lot of people aren't really Go unless your page is private. And I've also heard that if you want to get engagement, your page should not be private because by you having it private, you're not really allowing other people, the consumer, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. to be able to access you without requesting you. So you want to have a private page regardless of how you feel about it. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Before I actually started my business page, my page was private, but I realized how can people access me? How can I show people that I'm authentic or I'm trustworthy if they have to even request to find me? So, and the thing is, people aren't banging down your door to get your services. You should be going out offering your services to people, you know? And so that's how you have to look at it as an entrepreneur. When you want people to buy your product or services, they shouldn't have to feel like they can't trust you or they have to go out and seek you for something. No, you need to go out and seek the consumer. And so, which is why we're always bombarded with all this advertisement Mm -hmm. and commercials on TV. You know, they're trying to attract us. So that's what you have to do by opening your Instagram up. Also, when you have it private, people can't find you through hashtags, which is also really big. But to your point about the actual bio, yes, that's why I talked about, you know, have a sentence about, you know, what you do to attract people to your page. You don't want to just, you know, like I said, I sell hair. Okay. But do you have, you can easily put bullet points to different things. 
but you also want to say things and put things to attract people. Mm -hmm. So like I said, putting your website or saying, let's work, let's chat, you know, things like that to engage people to say, hey, let me check out their profile. Because that's really the first thing they're going to see. It's kind of like a book cover. Mm -hmm. Some people judge a book off its book cover. If it doesn't look good, they throw it out the door. So think about your page the same way. The first thing I'm going to see is your profile bio. If I don't like what I see, I'm naturally just going to click off of it. So not having nothing is also the same as having the wrong thing. So I think the main components that we need to take away from that snippet right there is attract and engage. You Mm want to attract the consumer and you want to engage with the consumer because Mm -hmm. although you may attract them, if you don't give them the opportunity to engage with you, they may just look right past you like everyone else. And that's not something we want. We want as much of a following as we can gain. We want to get ourselves out there in front of whomever it is, you know, Mm -hmm. that we need to in order to offer our services and come from contribution. Right. Another question I have for you is what is imposter syndrome? I saw you talk about that on your Instagram and it intrigued me. It really made me think about, okay, this is real. Like I get it. So I want you to explain that to the listeners. What is imposter syndrome? So imposter syndrome is, it can be synonymous to a few things. So imposter syndrome can be you always feeling the need to be perfect at everything. So you're doing something, (laughs) right? So you're doing something and you make one slip up and now you're downing yourself like, oh my gosh, that's why I'm always messing up on everything. Or say you're a realtor. So you sold 10 houses this year and you miss out on one sale and you start telling yourself, I knew I shouldn't have gone into real estate. I can ever sell a house. I am. You know? So those are things that, and it happens to women more often than men, the imposter syndrome, you know, we can find ourselves good at something and then one little mess up and then we start telling ourselves we're not good enough or we start pursuing something and, you know, and we have that one bad day and all of a sudden it's the end of the world and you're not doing it anymore. You're done with it. And so with imposter syndrome, you have to take those negative or limiting beliefs that we have about ourselves. And in that moment, just turn it around. You know, if you know you messed up on something, say, okay, I messed up on it. And a lot of the times it's easier said than done, but okay, I messed up. But, you know, this doesn't define you. This doesn't define my future success. This doesn't define who I am. This is just a moment in time. So you really have to take a step back in those moments because imposter syndrome can become a way of life or a mindset for some people if it's not addressed. Did you hear that? That is powerful. Mm -hmm. And I agree wholeheartedly that we as women probably experience that more so than men. And I am very guilty of Mm -hmm. that. It's like one thing doesn't go my way and my entire world is crumbling down. Mm -hmm. So I'm working through being a perfectionist and letting things go and just Getting rid of this imposter syndrome. So I will take that and I will really absorb that because I read it on your Instagram and I thought it was such a powerful thing to talk about because I wholeheartedly agree that we as women really can suffer from that and it can be debilitating at times. Mm -hmm. It can, I think we can be our own worst enemy. Us Mm -hmm. as women, we just have this weight on our shoulders and it's always, what do I have to do? And how do I have to do it? And when's it need to be done? And how about this? And did he eat? And did he do this? And did she do this? And where's this? And what's that? Oh my God, I'm here. And it gets crazy. And so 
with us being our hardest critic, I think, you know, it's sometimes we have to just take a step back and we have to breathe. And you touched on something I want to talk about a little bit. And those are limiting beliefs. I say it all the time. I will not lie about it. I won't sugarcoat it. I have some very serious limiting beliefs. And although I have a very strong belief system, I know that I suffer from those limiting beliefs because I can say it, right? But do I really believe it? Or Mm -hmm. I can say it and I believe it a little bit, but I don't believe it with both feet in the door. So I wanted to talk about limiting beliefs and how that can really impact just our lives, our lives in general, you as a business owner, you know, you as a mom or as a wife or as an entrepreneur, Mm -hmm. essentially, or even just as an employee, you know, we have, I'm sure there are plenty of women who listen, who are employees and that's okay. You don't have to be an entrepreneur to get it and to understand it and to be able to benefit from it. So I want you to just touch on limiting beliefs and why those are so important to really get under control because I am a prime example of trying to get my limiting beliefs under control. No, I absolutely agree. So I personally have a brand coach. And so that's one of the very first things you have to work on with working with her is mindset. And so just as I've got older, it really is true. So a man thinketh he is. And, you know, if you think that you're a failure, then you're a failure. And so if you think that, you know, you're the most beautiful person in the world, then yes, you are the most beautiful person in the world. And so all that to say with limiting beliefs, if you limit yourself through your beliefs, that is how you will manifest in life. You know, that is how life will manifest itself. So if you're always, you know, putting it out there that, you know, you're not good enough or you're never going to get this, you begin to act in such a way that you position yourself not to receive the things that you really want, but you're already saying you're not going to get it. So no, you're not going to get it. And so I think that with anything, you have to check the mindset like at the door, you know, and as I've said before, it's always easier said than done because I've dealt with a lot of limiting beliefs. And to be honest, you know, this is one of those moments of transparency. After I had my son, I dealt with really bad postpartum depression. And so I was like, I'm not a good mom. Mm-hmm. I can't even connect with my baby, you know, and it was so hard for me to even voice that to someone else because I felt that I was a failure, you know, and that was my mindset for a while. So for the first few months of his life, I just was like, I have another human being here, but that's about it. You know, like people would ask me, like, oh, how does it feel to be a mom? And I hated the question because I didn't know how to respond because my response was always going to be negative, you know, and so Again, it's all about mindset. So, you know, if we can just change our mindset and stop limiting ourselves, you have to have really and truly a childlike faith. You know, children are fearless. They, you know, they think they can do anything. They think they can be Santa Claus when they're little. So if we have the same mindset as them, we can do, you know, we can pursue the things that we really want to. We can achieve the things that we really want to, regardless of where we are in life. You know, if we are an employee or entrepreneur, or mom, dad, or wherever we are in life, you know, just focus on that mindset. It's, it's, and it's okay to tell someone, you know, hey, encourage me. If you hear me saying this, you know, have an accountability partner. Those also work. Okay. So I want to ask you about SMART goals. I saw that you made a post on Instagram in reference to SMART goals and how to work through them. So can you break that down for me? So with SMART goals, they're just like setting your regular goals. 
However, you're going to take the SMART model, which stands for specific, measurable, attainable, relevant, and time-based. So with specific, you want to set a specific goal. Don't do anything too vague. So the example I would say, I want to save $1,000. Okay, but you need to be specific and say, I want to save $1,000 by November 1st. You know, then you want to make it measurable. So that's why I said November 1st, because if I don't have the measurable part in it, I can't measure if I'm on track to attain the goal. So also attainable. If you're saying that you want to make a million dollars in the next year, are you bringing in those profit margins to make the million dollars over the next year? And then is that relevant? Is that relevant to what you're currently doing right now? So you may set a goal, but it's not relevant to the work that you're currently doing. If you know that you want to lose 15 pounds over the next year and you're not working out, then that's not relevant to where you're currently going right now. So a lot of the time I look at my SMART goals in terms of my business. So if it's not relevant to my business, then it's not a SMART goal that I'm going to set for myself in the moment. And then time-based, you want to do something you can focus on right now. You don't want a goal. Granted, you can do long-term goals, but you don't want to do a SMART goal that's so far in the future that you miss the opportunity to go ahead and accomplish goals that can happen over the next month or year or two. Awesome. And then implementing those SMART goals by taking something that seems so far away, starting to implement it, starting to track it. Do you think, or I guess in your professional opinion, that you can do all of these things, right? But if you're not actually tracking it, then you don't really know the way that your process is actually impacting your goal. Do you think that's safe to say? Absolutely. You know, it's just like having a list of things that you have to do for the day. If you don't write down the list, you're likely to forget what things on the list you've already accomplished or that you still need to accomplish. So it kind of works the same way with SMART goals. Perfect. Now you also have a free content creation guide that you offer on your, I believe it's your website, but it's advertised on your social media platform. So how can consumers get a hold of that free guide? So in order to go ahead and get a copy of the free guide, it's downloadable. It'll come right to your email. You would just go to my website, edit-desk.com. However, you're going to put a forward slash content dash guide and you'll go ahead and put in your first name, your email address and click on access the guide and it'll come right over to your email. Perfect. And lastly, you have been absolutely wonderful. I appreciate you so much for having this conversation with me. One thing you said prior to this dialogue and I saw it on your social media and I really wanted to ask you about it. I really wanted you to be able to break it down, not just for me, but for the consumer that's listening. You said, I dream about success even when I'm awake. So I think sometimes there's such a negative connotation surrounding daydreaming, right? Or believe it or not, I think there are only a certain amount of people in the world that really understand and absorb this positive thinking and these affirmations and these daydreaming things. And so a lot of times in my experience, I do see people who have a negative connotation that surrounds daydreaming. So I want you to break that down and sum that up for me and how if you're one of those people who thinks that daydreaming is negative or it's a waste of time or it's this or it's that, how can we change our mindset? How can we put, you know, change the negative connotation to a positive connotation and really teach that 
daydreaming or dreaming while you're awake isn't all bad because you have to first have that vision. So break that down for me. So I just want to say I've always been a daydreamer, as they call it, because visualization is everything. So a lot of the times, you know, we say we want things, but we can't visualize it. So a lot of people don't go after the things they can't see because a lot of people are visual, you know. So for me, daydreaming is almost a made up visual, the things that I want. And so when I said I dream about success, even while I'm awake, it was kind of me visualizing that success that I want. And one of the things my brand coach asked me one time is, what are the things that keep you up at night? Mm-hmm. And being successful oh keeps me up at night. Am I going to be successful? And granted, I shouldn't compare my level of success to anyone else's. There is no standard, but the standard of success that I see for myself, it keeps me up at night because it scares me. And it scares me to the point where I'm like, I have to stay up because I have to accomplish this goal that I have set. You know, even with creating the content guide, I've been up for the past three days trying to make sure I rolled it out to my audience the way destiny saw fit for it to be rolled out. And so That's kind of what I meant when I said that I dream about success even when I'm awake, you know, just visualizing my success and knowing that I have to keep going for it. You know, I can't give up. You know, it's not just going to happen because I dreamed about it, but because I have to see it and then I can go ahead and put the steps into place to accomplish that. Well, Destiny, you have been a real gem and I appreciate your transparency. I appreciate your willingness to offer this plethora of information that you have in reference to online marketing and the best way for us to present ourselves on an online platform. I think you've been amazing. I appreciate you so much. And I want you to tell listeners how they can keep in contact with you. All right. You can go ahead and keep in contact with me through my Instagram, which is edit, E-D-I-T dot desk, D-E-S-K. Or on my website, I have my contact information, my services, as well as booking info. And that's also edit, E-D-I-T dash desk dot com. Well, Destiny, thank you so much. I appreciate you. I love you. I'm sure my audience is going to love you just as much. And we got really, really deep during this conversation. So we're going to see you guys in part two. Have a good day. Stay blessed. We love you. Thank you for tuning into the house. By listening, you're joining a family of unstoppable women who crave human interaction and genuine connections. We are committed to uplifting and empowering one another. Open your Instagram and head over to Handling Your Realtor to learn more about upcoming events, how to get involved, and how you can be a resource to a woman near you. Subscribe, share this episode with a friend, and tag us on your favorite social media platform so we can make sure any woman seeking sisterhood knows her support system is only one listen away.